Welcome to yet another edition of Family Office Secrets. And one of the secrets that the super rich do really, really well is they position themselves as thought leaders in the marketplace. They want to be able to articulate their value. They want to share their value and they want to get their message out to as many people as possible. And that's what we're going to share with you today is we've got Trevor Oldham. Trevor is a young entrepreneur. He's the founding member of Podcasting You, which is a podcast booking agency. And Trevor is on a mission to help young entrepreneurs be even more successful. And we are so excited to have him here today. Trevor, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. Excited to be here. And, you know, as we dive in today, right, by, by, the, by the time we finish, I want everyone listening, we want you to know the power of podcasting. We want you to have an understanding of how to get on podcasts, how to book those podcasts and, and what that process is. And then what the heck do you say when you're on a podcast, right? We want to give you some of those tools, but more importantly, we want you to feel excited to get out there and start booking podcasts. And so Trevor, how did you get started doing this? Oh, you see, podcasting wasn't always something, you know, it wasn't the first business I started about five years ago. I was making $7 and three cents an hour working a job and I knew that I wanted to get out of that job, wasn't sure what I wanted to do next, but I really discovered entrepreneurship. And through that, I started a company buying and selling products from China, um, grew that to be a little bit, and then started a motivational-based company. And with that motivational-based company, it grew rather quickly. We had around 600,000 followers in the first year, but just because we had that motivational-based content doesn't necessarily mean people are going to purchase from us, which is something we learned. So I was just sort of just beginning my you know, entrepreneurial path, just moving along. And, and with that, I started a podcast. Um, I, don't, I no longer run it today, but with that podcast, I was interviewing guests. So I really got inundated with the podcast industry back in 2015. And when the company I've been running, the motivational company with a partner, um, I ended up leaving that company unsure of what to do next. And I really just started freelancing. And, and through that freelancing, people would have me writing blog posts, people would have me, um, some people would have me book them on podcasts. And I found that I could make a lot more money booking people on podcasts than, than writing, you know, I might get paid $200 to write a blog post and it could take me five to six hours. So just looking at my time and how I'm going to spend it really led me into podcasting. And then just over the course of three years, I took on some more clients. I put in some marketing spend and then it just grew the company. It was really not something I ever expected to do. It kind of just was like, wow, you know, people would pay me for this service. It's something that they're interested in. It's something, you know, I found myself to be pretty good at. And I kind of just formed into this company. It wasn't really like I ever grew up like, oh, I want to start a podcast booking agency. It's kind of just, oh, well, people will pay me for this. Like, I pretty much enjoy it. Let's just keep going and, and just see where it goes. And that's really how it got off the ground. You know, obviously it's a little bit more, more complicated than that, but it's been, been a good journey over the last three years. Now, when you were starting your podcast, right, and I want to dive into that just for a second, what, what were your motivations? What were you thinking, right? What, what, what was the driving force? Why do you think I'm going to start a podcast? What were you hoping to achieve by starting your own? I think the biggest thing for us back then is we were only promoting via uh, Instagram and we were looking to promote the company via other outlets. And I was like, oh, I've heard about podcasts. I've listened to podcasts. Let me just let me try being a podcast host and starting my own podcast. Never really expecting to get anything out of it. But what I really learned quickly on is how much value you can learn from the guests on your show. And in addition, where I'd be able to talk to individuals with, you know, that are entrepreneurs that I normally wouldn't have the opportunity to speak to. If I sent them a message that, hey, can I pick your brain for 15 minutes? It's different than say, hey, can I interview you on my podcast, you know, for 15 minutes where you're going to be able to provide value. I'm going to be able to promote you. And I realized it allowed me to connect with individuals early on 
within the entrepreneurial space that I, you know, probably normally wouldn't have access to. Okay, interesting. And but but you found that that wasn't necessarily the the path that you wanted to run on. You found that you actually enjoy getting other people on podcasts. And and and, and talk me through some of the pros and the cons, right? I run a podcast also full disclosure. That's how you and I have met. Is you've gotten me on numerous podcasts and I've been so grateful for that. But but what are some of the the pros of starting your own podcast versus being a guest on others podcasts? And, and specifically as it relates to the audience that you may be able to reach. Mm, most certainly so you, you can look at it in two different ways where one if you're going on other people's podcasts you know that person has already built their platform up you don't really have to go on like i'll come on to you know your your podcast today tim and i'll speak however long 45 minutes or an hour and and then my time's sort of done where if you're the podcast host there's going to be more involved in it where you might have to go in um create social media images create a blog post and then obviously there's the additional editing so it's just a lot more work and i think both avenues are going to be you know, really what you're looking for, I think that they're both great. One, it's cool being a podcast guest where you're able to bring on guests that you want to interview. Where also being a guest, you can go on uh, shows within your targeted niche. So I think there's benefits to both. I just think being a podcast guest can save you a little bit more time. Whereas being a podcast host is just a little bit more work on that end. But you do have more more control over who you're going to be speaking to because you can really bring on carefully calculated guests within your niche and within your industry where sometimes you know it's can be very hard to find a super targeted niche on a podcast for you to be but guess on where as a host you most likely be able to control exactly who's coming on to your show very interesting now now who can use these strategies right i was talking to someone the other day they just wrote their first book and it's a it's a sports fiction book and you know kind of with the dodgers and everything and, you know, but the guy's core business is doing real estate investing. Is someone like that in, in doing book promotion, would this benefit someone like that? It's funny that you bring it up. It would. And the reason I say this is we recently took on a client and he's a dentist. That's what he does full time. And he, and he wrote um, a young adult fiction novel. And, and he's going on podcasts talking about how he wrote the book, talking about how he's able to promote it. Because I believe he became a USA Today bestselling author. So, you know, that's, you know, he's not a... He's not a day-by-day writer because that's not his typical profession where he's, you know, a dentist. So I think it really works for anyone that's just really trying to build a horizon, meet people within their industry. It really, I think it really can work for anyone. There's going to be podcasts that are out there for sort of every niche. I've even worked with a family sport coach who basically he trains parents on how hard to push them, push their kids in sports so they don't push them too hard. And really, I mean, for that, there's probably 15 shows out there. But for those 15 shows, those were a perfect fit for him. So I think in any given industry, whatever your niche is, you know, some niches might be a little bit bigger. If you're looking at real estate, there might be 150 shows where, you know, like a family sports coach, there's only 15, but that still doesn't mean, you know, if you get yourself on those 15 shows, it'll still be able to expand your audience and still be able to make those connections. Wow, exciting stuff. So I'm Tim McNeely talking with Trevor Oldham, and we're talking about the power of podcasting. And and so far, we've talked a little bit about the benefits of being on a podcast. We've talked some about establishing your own versus being a guest. And and as I kind of think through this with you, you, Trevor, right, now we're excited. What the heck do we do? How how do we get booked on a podcast? So I think first thing to do is just think about who's your target audience? Who do you want to speak to? And then from there, once you have your target audience, there's this really cool tool that our company news uses and anyone can use. It's called listennotes.com. What I would recommend is you can pay for the membership. It's about, I believe it's $100 a month. It used to be really cool. Everything used to be free, but I can see why now they put it behind a little paywall. But what you can do with that is you can search 
the podcast keyword. Let's say you want it to be um, real estate investing as an example, or wealth management. You could type in those keywords and it'll bring you up all those podcasts within that certain keyword in their description. And then from there, you can sort, we usually sort by podcast. And then you also see, for those of you who go on the list of notes site, on the right-hand side, it'll say date, or it'll say relevance, and you can sort by date. And this will bring you up all the podcasts basically within that given keyword. And then you can just check them out. There's a little link to iTunes you can click on, see it, make sure they're accepting guests, just scroll down, see if it's a fit that you'd wanna be on. And then from there, you can, you can go to their website, see if they have a contact form or another tool we use as a company is called hunter.io. So basically you could plug in a domain name and about 50% of the time, it'll pull up an email address associated with that and it makes it rather quickly. For hunter.io, the one that we use, I believe the cost is $50 a month, but you can do 60 searches per month that are free and there's no cost to that. And that's really just finding those shows and then just creating a list. I usually create, go out, create a spreadsheet or you can even export all the podcasts there and, and pay a little bit more of a fee, whether that's 20 or $30. And it'll give you all those podcasts within that given keyword. And then from there, you can just, you know, it might take a little bit of time. It might take five to 10 hours to go through, but then once you're done, you might have a list of 50 to a hundred shows. And then it's just sort of just working the list from there. It's reaching out. You know, if you have 50, let's say you had a hundred shows, you know, going out and, and crafting a pitch and pretty much promoting, you know, reaching out to 10 shows. And then once you reach out to 10 shows, see what the response rate is for you. If only one person responded, maybe you switch up the pitch a little bit more. So it's just tweaking. But I think the biggest thing is just getting those shows researched is probably going to take someone the longest period of time. But once you have that done, it's pretty much done forever. And then you can sort of work that list. And then even if you've never been on podcast interviews before, you can even smart start on smaller shows. There's, I believe, close to a million podcasts out today. If, if you can't get on one of those, <laughs> um, I'd be very, very surprised. So I really think that you're able to go out there and find shows, even if they just started off a month ago, a week ago, you can reach out to the host, let, you know, talk a little bit about yourself, reference their target audience, let them know what you have to share, and then see if they would like to have you on their podcast and pretty much just go from there. Then once you get comfortable on some of the smaller shows, then you can sort of maybe go for those bigger shows. And by bigger shows, I mean like shows that, you know, you might have heard of or might've already been listening to yourself, shows that have been around a year or so. And then just sort of piggybacking your way on there. And I really think that this is a strategy that anyone can use in their business. And, you know, like anything else, it's going to take time. You can't just expect to pull a list and, and then reach out to the host and, and hear a response in, you know, five minutes. It's going to, it's going to take some time. So it's not the you know, if you're looking for something that's a quick fix to getting on podcasts, that's probably not it. But really, it's just going out there and just finding the shows in your target audience. And then along just reaching out to those hosts and letting them know what you have to offer, how you would benefit their audience, and then just seeing what the response is from there. Hmm. Uh, there, there are a lot of nuggets of wisdom in, in what you were just talking about. And I, and I hope everyone listening picked up on some of those things. Some of the things I heard you say, Trevor, over and over and over again, were figure out your target audience what's your niche right so so that's a starting point you got to know who you want to talk to and then second of all you got to figure out how do you deliver value to that audience right so who do you want to talk to is not enough you got to know who do you want to talk to and then what's the message what's the value that you hope to to deliver so right and that's something a lot of entrepreneurs certainly struggle with is they go well my market's everyone <laughs> and so do you ever help people kind of hone in on their market and, and help create those lists? Because a lot of times, like I said, people might just think, oh my gosh, I got, you know, 50,000 podcasts. These are all great. 
So can you help people narrow in on their niche if they're not quite sure who they should be talking to? The way I go about that is who's your ideal customer? Who is going to purchase for you? Even for our company and our business, not everyone is going to be an exact fit. Like, let's say if I want to go on entrepreneurial shows as an entrepreneur, you know, like you mentioned, there's probably 50,000 shows out there where some might be on how to start an online business where I could go on and talk where others might talk about how to start a brick and mortar business where I'm like, yeah, I'm not, that's, I don't know anything about that. I've never done that. It's really just looking at who is your ideal customer who is going already out there buying your product or service or who are the potential customers. And then once you sort of have your potential customers where if you're running your own business or selling a product or service, you probably have somewhat of an idea of who those people are. And then just sort of cross-referencing that into creating your target audience and then researching from there. So it's really just looking at the customers who are purchasing from you, who is really coming to you and working with you, and then just finding more of those like-minded people through the podcasts. Excellent. So, right. So, so we've got our list, we've targeted down our niche, and now we're going to start reaching out and contacting some of these people. What the heck do you say, right? What's that pitch to, to get booked? What do podcast hosts want to hear from guests? I think the biggest thing that they want to hear is why do you want to be on their podcast and then referencing it to their podcast. And what I mean by this is you could go out and you could create a blanket pitch and you could give your, your name, but podcast hosts really like to see it tailored to their show where we like to do this with our company is looking at their show description and then sort of pulling words from their show description whether let's say they mentioned that they wanted to have entrepreneurs on there who started an online business where we could say, Hey, you know, so-and-so we, you know, we have a great guest that we think would be a fabulous fit for your show. He started an online business doing this. This is how he would resonate with your audience. And then I always like to phrase it as these are going to be the benefits to your audience, because at the end of the day, it's going to be the host that's spending the time interviewing you, spending the time doing all the extra work. So you really want to make sure that you're going on there and benefiting their audience and making sure that you're not going on there just to sell and, and, and push your product or service. Cause usually if you do that, the, the interview probably won't even go out. So it's really just offering your value and then just crafting it along the way. Even myself, I'm going out there and trying to get myself booked on podcasts. I'm always tweaking my pitch, tweaking what I have to offer. And even with different shows, I go on entrepreneur shows and I go on real estate investing shows. What I'm going to be talking about is going to be two totally different things. So it's even tweaking the pitches be like, all right, for real estate investors, this is how I want to talk to them. For entrepreneurs, this is what I want to share with them. And it's something that, you know, it's really just writing it down and just taking that time to be like, all right, what do I love talking about? How could someone learn from my experience and what I have to offer? And just taking some time to do that sort of introspective work and then going out there and then crafting your pitch. And again, you know, sharing any relevant information that you have with that host, whether that's, you know, usually we'd like to have a website, um, social media, and then even, you know, podcast interviews if you've done them and even if you haven't this is where going on some of those smaller shows in the beginning would be beneficial and then once you're on those small shows then you'd be able to add them to your pitch and then show you know the medium and larger size shows that you've been a guest on these other shows so it's really just going out there all right is this show really a fit for me even taking five ten minutes listening to that show listening to their intro seeing what type of guests they have on there and then relaying into how you would be a similar fit for their audience and then why you would benefit their audience yeah, and, 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 you know, full disclosure, I've worked with Trevor, and Trevor, this is one of the things that you do so well, is when we work together and collaborate, I get a list of potential shows that, that based on my niche, my profile, that you feel would be a good fit for me to be on. 
But it doesn't just stop there. Then there's a collaboration piece where mm -hmm. I'm going in looking at the shows that you've brought to me and saying, hey, yeah, that one's great. No, that one isn't. And oh, yeah, that one. Yes, please. And so there really is that collaboration piece of working together to refine that list. So it's not just, you know, a blind shot in the dark. There, there, there really is some intelligence going into this. Because at the end of the day, that and you keep coming back to this, is you really want to serve the audience, right? That's the goal. You want to get out there. You want to give people useful things. You want to deliver value and demonstrate your value. And the more you can do that, the more goodwill you're, you're going to bring to your niche and the more you're going to continue to raise your profile as a thought leader. And that to me is the, the greatest benefit of podcasting out there. So, you know, kind of continuing along this theme, right? You know, you have certainly been on an entrepreneurial journey yourself. And so share a little how you did really go from, from being that freelancer and some of the struggles that you faced moving into running your own company. I think the biggest thing I faced was offloading my work to employees. I think that was the biggest thing initially for the first year. I did all the work for myself at Podcasting You. I would find clients, I would research shows, create their pitch, send out the pitches, book them, follow up, all that, all that work that goes into pitching a client. And then the second year, I was like, all right, I got, I got to hire someone if I want to grow the business. I took on one additional employee. And then now in year three, we're up to five employees. And now it's been like, it's been like the greatest thing ever. And that's really how we've been able to grow where I've gone from having to do, you know, pitching the client where now I'm able to just go on and do interviews. I'm able to go out and, and create content. And I think the biggest thing for me was really offloading that work that once I learned how to do it myself, I wish I would have just given it to employees or and just had them do it sooner. So I think that was the biggest learning curve for me was being able to offload it. And, you know, it hasn't been an easy, I've, I've ran into times where I've taken on new employees. You know, I've, I ran into an instance a couple months back where I took on one employee, thought she was a great fit, emails me on Friday, says, oh, this isn't something I'm interested in. And then hire a new one over the weekend, come on Tuesday, this one says, oh, I'm not interested in. And then again, the following, the, the end of the week, another one says, oh yeah, no, and this is not really what I was looking for. And then I was like, all right, you know, I've had three employees basically quit within, you know, a two week span. What can I do about it? All right, I really got to do my interview processes differently. I got to make sure I know who is going to be my perfect employee. And that really dumped, dumped it down for me. All right, do I want someone who's just looking for this to be a job to make some money to eventually just leave the company a couple months down the road? And, and what I found, at least for myself, is I like working with stay at home moms because usually they're looking for you know, a 10, 15, 20 hour per week job without having to leave the house. So that became my ideal sort of employee. And then two, having the right training manuals in place where all right, if I take on an employee, now they're going to have a week to two to train with our company. And then once they train with us, then we can sort of onboard them and, and have them interact with the client where instead of hiring employees, as soon as we hire clients and then trying to train them all and it's just not a good recipe for success. So I think it's really having that training in place for the employees. And that just comes with, all right, how did I run the business? All right, so this is what I did to get a client book, steps, you know, one, two, three, four, five. All right, so I'm gonna write them down. This is exactly how I did it. This is exactly how I want the employee to do it. If she comes to me and think that there's a better process, we can look at that and then change it out. So it's really just documenting all the sort of processes that when you bring on someone new, you can hand that off to them and then they can sort of get the ground running. There might be a little bit of a learning curve, and I think that's something that everyone has to understand when they're hiring additional employees. It's not going to be perfect right from the start, but if you really encourage them and give them that additional training, you know, over time, they're going to be successful. And uh, I think that's 
that was just the biggest learning curve was learning how to offload the work. Cause I was always like, Oh, I can do it myself. I I'm the best at getting people booked on podcasts. I don't think anyone else can do it as good as me. And once I realized that people could do it better than me, plus they had a lot better ideas than I have. I was like, I really wish I hired employees a lot sooner. Mm, interesting. Uh, you know, and I think there's another really important lesson there, Trevor. And that's why I always like to dive into to everyone's entrepreneurial journey is you talk about that, that freeing your time up so that you could do the important things that really drive your business forward. And I know some people, you may be listening to this and thinking, how the heck am I going to find time to do podcasts now? I'm already up to my eyeballs and everything else. How the heck am I going to get this done? Well, that's why services like Trevor's exist, is they can help free up your time so that you can get out there, you can serve your audience, you can deliver value, and you don't have to worry about all that work that goes behind it. It really is a, a plug and play service. And, and I would encourage you, if you are working on becoming a thought leader, if you want to get your message out, if you want to share that message, you should absolutely consider podcasting as a great way to deliver that message to your audience. And so, so Trevor, kind of coming back in the, the podcasting again and, and looking at that, right? You know, I want to talk maybe a little bit about how do you be a good guest when you're on a podcast? We talked some about delivering value, but what are some things that, that, you know, the guests can do right now? You're sitting there, maybe this is your first time you're thinking, I really don't know what I should talk about. You know, how can you, you know, really interact with that host well? Do you have any tips or tricks or, or insights on how to be a really good guest? I think the number one is big is just sharing stories. Stories are super relatable. And that's like the biggest thing is no one. And two, like when I share the stories, I like to share my failures, like, you know, having three employees quit in a two week span where I could go in and tell you, yeah, it's, it's been great working with employees. They've been perfect ever since the first day I started working with them, but that's just that's just not going to be the truth. And I think when you're very vulnerable as a podcast guest and to let them know that, no, I wasn't always running this business. You know, I had a pre-story even, even now I'm putting out fires, you know, not as much as I used to more, more occasionally, luckily now, but just being sort of vulnerable in your story and then really just sharing those stories and not saying like, yes, this is what I did. This is how I did it. You know, really sharing that sort of backstory and how you got from point A to point B. And then additionally, it's just, you know, being yourself and try not to be someone that you're not. And that's like the biggest thing is I could go on these stories and try to make myself look super professional and, and, you know, super tight up. And that's just, it's not who I am. I like to have fun in these interviews. I like the, I find them to be engaging and that's just sort of my personality. And I think just really learning what works for yourself. And then two is it might be intimidating the first time when they're going on these interviews. And I think that's something, you know, the more practice that you get going on these interviews, the more you're going to be able to get your story down. Then the more you get your story down, it'll just be a little bit more comfortable. And even this, even going on podcasts now, you know, I, there's a good span of a couple of years where I hadn't done any interviews. And most recently, you know, over the past three or four months, I started going back on interviews, just being able to promote the company. And with that, you know, I, I was nervous in the beginning going on, you know, I run a podcast booking agency, getting people booked on podcasts, but even myself, I was nervous about going on to these shows. And what I learned is, you know, once I, once I did the first one, I became a little bit more comfortable. Then once I did the second, I became a little bit more comfortable. And I was like, oh, and then I would think through like, oh yeah, I, I said this, maybe I should have said it this way. And, and over time, it really just allows me to hone in on your story. And I, so I think one is just having that story and sharing stories. And then two, being vulnerable. And then three is just going from sort of that point A to point B and then just 
and being yourself. And I think that really just makes a good podcast guest and just a lot of practice. You're not going to sound great the first time you're at it. It's just, it's something that's going to take some time and you can't expect to be a super polished guest after one interview. It's just, it's, it's not going to happen, but over time you'll find out that you'll become a lot better and, and it'll flow up uh, quicker and you probably just won't be as nervous and it'll just, it'll be a lot more enjoyable of an experience. Interesting. Well, you know, even before the show, you and I were talking a little bit about vulnerability and some of the, some of the mistakes and, and lessons that we learned. And you were sharing something that happened with a real estate attorney overall, uh, uh, you know, when you were first getting started. Take us through that kind of failure and what were some of the lessons learned? Most certainly. So this is probably back in probably January 2018 when my business was just really started getting off the ground. And I was pretty much just trying to take on any client at that time. And I took on this real estate attorney. I, I probably won't give away give away the state because he's he's prominent in the space, and they would probably they would probably be able to know if I if I gave away the state. But what happened was is I got him booked on on the three or four podcasts. I sent him the invoice. He he hadn't paid. I kept going, and eventually got to about ten or so podcasts where I got him booked on. And at that time, that was about yep ten ten or so podcasts at that time, and, and that was a little over a thousand dollars in revenue, which at at that time, that was a lot for me. I was probably two or three months into growing my business. And, and when I went to, you know, get that money and, you know, I was like, all right, this is enough. You know, I, I can't keep giving you my services. He, he sort of disappeared, blocked my email. Um, and that sort of thing. I left a bad review on Facebook. He took down his Facebook reviews, which still aren't there, but he couldn't take down his Facebook. He, he couldn't take down his Google reviews. So luckily my comment is, <laughs> is still at the top telling people not to work with him and that sort of thing. But what I learned and I think the biggest thing is, is when you're working with individuals is to not trust everyone that you meet in business. You know, he seemed like a good individual. I would assume that he was a lawyer. I assumed that he had integrity. And, and what I learned is that, you know, when it comes to paying for services, sometimes people can be a little bit tricky about that. So anyone that's going out there and then starting a new business, and this is something I've even changed in my business model over the last couple of months is, is starting to have people just pay up front. And I found that by having people pay upfront, it gets them a little skin in the game and they're going to take you more serious because, you know, while that lawyer, you know, that thousand dollars, I mean, there had been other instances where, you know, it might be, you know, two podcasts here that they disappeared or even getting someone booked on one show and they say, hey, this isn't really a fit for me anymore. Where sort of charging that money upfront for someone has been the biggest benefit. And for me, it was always like, oh, I can't, I can't charge this money upfront. This is, you know, why would people pay <coughs> upfront prior to me putting in the services for them? And then once I started to do it, no one, no one even said anything. No one said, no, no one was like, oh, you know, can I pay you after the work? No, no one even cared about it. And I was like, wow, you know, I probably would have been in a, in a, even further along the road if I had been charging up front initially. So I think, you know, don't be scared about charging that initial money up front, especially if you have a service that's valuable and, and something that you believe in, because, you know, you really just don't want to be taken to the cleaners and, and run into that situation where you're depending on this income and then, have that person sort of disappear. Hmm. Wow. That right there, folks, that is how you end up being a great podcast guest is you tell stories, right? Yeah, I learned an incredible amount listening to, to Trevor share that story. And so if you're wondering, what, what do I share? Go through your life and think about some of those, you know, those painful moments that you went through, because I guarantee you, you're not the only one who's gone through it. And if you learned a lesson, there's people out there who want to learn from you on how to overcome that. So Trevor, thank you for sharing that story and giving us a real tangible example of how to be an amazing 
podcast guest. And as we continue kind of our, our conversation, we're getting close to, to wrapping up here. You know, we've talked about the secrets of how to get booked on podcasts, right? Creating those lists, reaching out to people, having that right pitch deck in messaging, talked about serving the audience. We've talked about, you know, how to really position yourself as the expert, even if you've never been on a podcast before. And, you know, sitting where you are now, what's the number one tip that you would give young entrepreneurs? Because I know you are passionate about helping young entrepreneurs be even more successful. So, so what would you share with them? I think the number one thing and the biggest factor for me is just self-educating yourself Going, I had no idea about entrepreneurship, no idea about business, but if you go out there and you can read a book, I would recommend The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster by Darren Hardy, and you can go in, and, and Darren's a very successful entrepreneur, and I can go in and read about his success and his failures and then try to mimic them and learn them, and it's not just his book. There's tons of books. If you go on, on, on Amazon and you search entrepreneur books, you're going to find so many out there, and, and that was the biggest thing is just learning. Even before I really even started the business, I was just learning as much as I could about entrepreneurship, trying to gain as much knowledge as I could. And even if it's, if, you know, if you don't like reading, you can use audiobooks, you can use podcasts. Some of my you know, favorite podcasts besides yours, Tim's is uh, uh, like self or not self-made man. It's Mike Dillard's podcast is, is a new name on my list. like the bigger pockets podcasts. You know, there's, there's just tons of podcasts out there where you can learn valuable experience along with just reading books and then just self-educating yourself. You know, podcasting, this isn't something I ever learned how to do is just something that over time self-educating and, and practicing and, and it really allowed me to grow. And I think the biggest benefactor is definitely just self-educating yourself as much as you can. Cause at least for me going through high school and college, none of, none of, no one prepared me for the business world and what it was going to be like running a business. And the biggest benefactor I was able to learn was by far self-educating myself uh, through reading. And, you know, even if you read one book a month, you know, that's still going to be better than the person who doesn't read any books. Yeah, very, very true. Now, you are a remote company, correct? Most of your, your employees are remote. Is that is that my understanding? That is correct. So, you know, let, let's kind of maybe end on that because I, I think that will also bring some some value to the audience is what have been some, some lessons? What have been some of those struggles of, of dealing with remote employees? Because I know that that's a struggle. It's kind of a new world for a lot of us. And so what are some things that, that you've learned and some of the mindsets that you've adapted to be able to, to really build a high-performing remote team? Yeah, I think the biggest lesson I've learned is, is having them track their progress and then just send me a weekly report of what they've done. I found that when I initially had hired people, I was like, you know, is this person, you know, you know, I'm paying them by the hour. Are they actually doing work? Or are they just saying that they're doing work? And I found that just by having them send me weekly reports, it was super beneficial. And then along, I'd be like, okay, this week they spent, you know, three hours working for this client. All right, how many bookings did we get? All right, we, you know, we got one or two. Perfect. You know, this client, we spent 10 hours this week, but we got nothing. All right, something's got to change. We have to go back, look at their pitch, look at the shows that we're getting the book done. So it was really just tracking the progress with the employees. Because obviously I can't be, you know, I'm not in office with them. I can't see what they're doing every day. I just, you know, I just want to make sure that they're moving the company along and then be my having myself being able to help them. And we're having that sort of weekly reports is super beneficial. Um, having a weekly meeting every Monday or every, not Monday, every Thursday, our team has a weekly meeting. We just go over, you know, share, I'll go into updates I have, they'll go into updates they have and, you know, really collaborating right there, you know, seeing each other on a Zoom call where like Tim, you and I are today, like we're seeing each other sort of face to face as, as close as we can during the current climate. We're just, you know, interacting with each other, I think is, is super beneficial and just encouraging them. Um, I like to give them flexible hours. I don't say, hey, you have to work between the hours of 
9 a.m. and 5 p.m. I, it's more like, all right, you know, our clients are online Monday through Friday. Just make sure that you get the work done. If that's from 7 p.m. to 12 a.m., you know, feel free to do it. Just make sure that you're working Monday through Friday. So I try not to be as strict there. And then two, just going along with those weekly reports, just giving them goals saying, hey, for this client, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we get them on X amount of podcasts per month. For this client, we got to get them on, you know, these many podcasts per month. And then just sort of just tracking that product, giving them some parameters, um, giving them some direction and just pretty much going from there. It's, you know, it's not something that you're going to be able to, I guess, learn, learn in one time. You know, like I mentioned, I started off with one employee, got sort of the ropes and then hired, you know, a few more additional employees, learned the ropes. And I think it's always a work in progress, but it's something that I would recommend any employee when I can go out and hire an employee from pretty much anywhere in the country, that's going to give me a competitive advantage. And if you're just hiring, say in your local market, cause I'm, you know, there's however many millions of Americans working, let's say 250 million in the U S right now. That's a lot more than say 20, 50,000 in your local area. It's going to open up that pool of, of workers that you can hire a lot more. Wow. I, and once again, just some, some absolute gold nuggets in what you just shared with everyone, Trevor. I, I love that mindset. You said, you know, you're tracking what the employees are doing, right? In the example you gave, you said, you know, you looked at one, they did two to three hours and got one booking and someone else did, you know, 10 hours and, and didn't get any bookings. And your response wasn't, what's wrong with you? How come you didn't book something in 10 hours? It was, let's troubleshoot this and, and figure out how we can improve this, right? Very, very different. So you're not tracking these metrics so that you can get in there and say, you're mm -hmm. doing a bad job. You're tracking these metrics so that you can come back and say, how can I help? How can we improve? How can we make this work better? And, and right, wow, what, what an amazing demonstration of leadership. So thank you for sharing that story. Very, very powerful stuff. Thank you, yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. It's just, you know, working, just testing, seeing what's working and then just improving upon it. And once you sort of have the information, you can really go back and say, all right, this isn't working. What can we do to improve upon it? And over time, your business is just going to grow. You're going to, you know, sort of sort out the bottlenecks and it's just going to really allow you to propel forward. Just having that sort of information. Yeah. So, right. You kick our egos to the door. And let's, <laughs> we're all in this together. Let's figure out what works. Exactly. So any closing thoughts for the audience today and, and, and everyone listening, Trevor? I think the biggest thing is just to get started, whether and any business that you want. There's a lot of people I find that, you know, they've sat on their sidelines. They think starting a business is too tough. It's something that they're not going to be able to do. They're unsure of what to do. And everyone has those thoughts in the beginning. When I got started, you know, probably going on six years now, you know, of really going into entrepreneurship and not really having any idea what to do. I started importing phone cases from China and selling those and seeing how that went. And then that led me down you know, buying bracelets and watches and building a brand. And then that led me to starting, you know, this motivational company, which led me to the podcasting. So every sort of step has led me. And, you know, when I started selling those phone cases six years ago, I, I never expected I would be getting people booked on podcasts now. So I just really getting started and just really honing in on going out there and starting a business and I just sort of just going out there and you're going to learn different things about yourself. You're going to learn what you don't like and what you do like. And eventually that'll lead you to a business that you really do like. And from there, it'll, just, it'll be a lot of fun. Fantastic stuff. Where can people find out more about you, Trevor? Sure. So they can, one, they can check out our, our Facebook page and Instagram page. That's going to be podcasting you. Um, additionally, you can find myself on there. It's going to be Trevor Oldham. And then also you can find out our website, podcastingyou.com. Uh, so that's just Y-O-U. Okay. Excellent. I'll post all of those down below in the, the show notes for everyone. So please 
check those out. If you are an entrepreneur, even if you're not, if you've got a message that you want to get out, if you've got a message that, that you want to share with people, I want to strongly encourage you to consider podcasting, right? Once again, thought leadership is what the super rich do. They're really good at communicating their message. And this is yet another tool that can help you accelerate your success. I'm Tim McNeely. We've been having a great conversation with Trevor. Trevor, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and insights with us. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. And for everyone listening, you get out there and make it a great day.